Welcome to the Relevant Faith Journey Podcast. My name is Sharon. I'm so glad that you took just a few minutes out of your day to join me and to listen. I love to think deep thoughts and tell stories about the faith journey. The goal is that together we might learn to be better humans. This episode is titled Brighter Together, The Feminist Legacy of My Grandma Beck. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to leave a review or rating and share it with a friend. You can also connect with me at my website, relevantfaithjourney.com, or on Facebook, Sharon.faith, or on Instagram, at SharonRelevantFaith. When I think about the feminist movement, I don't think about burning bras or bored housewives. I think of my grandma Beck, who supported her family and by doing so blazed a trail for women leaders of the future. Like me, Grandma married later in life. Born in 1911, she went to college and had a degree in mathematics. She was a career woman, smart, talented, and I suspect she enjoyed earning a living. Her husband pastored a small church in rural Oklahoma, and they had to work together to make ends meet. Sixteen years into married life, my grandpa had a heart attack and left her as the sole provider for her mother and two teenage boys. By the time my grandma retired, she was supervising the records department at Tinker Air Force Base. She was well-respected and admired. I have no doubt that she was an excellent leader. I feel like now is a great time to be a woman. Not that we've overcome every obstacle, but there are more opportunities than ever before. The messaging in our culture is overall affirming. While there's certainly a lot of work to be done, especially for women of color, we've made a lot of progress. I remember the first time someone called me boss. It was the weirdest feeling. Tom Baker was a foot taller and 10 years older than me. People would often assume that he was actually my boss, which we both found very funny. I was in good company. The 2022 Women in the Workplace study conducted by LeanIn.org and McKinsey and Company found that, quote, women leaders are two times as likely as men leaders to be mistaken for someone more junior, end quote. The corporate world has figured out that women make excellent leaders. Not that we are better than men, but that eliminating half of your workforce from consideration for leadership positions hurts the business. When I worked for Home Depot, they intentionally developed female leaders. At first, it was all very homegrown. They would pull all the female supervisors, assistant managers, high potential associates, etc. out of the store for a day. We would do some networking and the two female store managers in the district would give a speech about how we should all pursue promotions. The second year our women in leadership meeting took place, one of our store managers, Becky, gave a presentation that I guess was titled, Women Do It Better. Becky explained that when she first started, no one wanted to promote women. Eventually, she proved that women do it better. They were more organized than men. Women are better at communication and understand store appearance better than men. The list went on and on, each sentence punctuated by the phrase, women do it better. This made me very angry. I wrote to HR that if a man were to say even one of those sentences, like, men understand store appearance better than women, he would be severely reprimanded. We should be encouraging women to recognize their unique skills and contributions to the workforce. The fact that we are less likely to pursue a leadership role is the issue, not asserting our gender superiority. That's trading one kind of discrimination for another. Eventually, Home Depot realized that women's empowerment wasn't just for women. I was a little bitter after Becky's speech, so I was unavailable for the next few women in leadership events. A few years later when I showed up, it was a completely different environment. By that time, the divisional president was a woman. She shared her story of growth with the company. It was inspiring. But we also heard from our regional VP, a man, who explained how important women are in the workplace. There was an effort to include both men and women in the conversation. There was never a sense of one of us is better than the other. 
The message was clear. The business does better when we work together. I think there's an unspoken assumption in our culture that we should promote diversity because it's fair. Everyone deserves a chance. We don't want women and people of color to feel left out or like they've been overlooked. Listen, I worked for a big corporation for a long time and they don't give a shit about people's feelings. While PR, compliance, and employer retention are all top priorities, they're priorities because they drive the company's bottom line. The most important measurement is profitability. For good reason. If the business isn't profitable, eventually there is no business and no employees with feelings to care about. Corporate America learned not too long ago that a diverse workforce, and specifically a diverse leadership team, makes companies more profitable and productive. Despite concerted efforts at equality, women leaders are still underrepresented at every level. While they make up 48% of the workforce, they make up only 26% of the C-suite, up 6% since 2017. The article referenced in the show notes lists several reasons for this, like, quote, microaggressions that undermine their authority and signal that it would be harder for them to advance, such as having colleagues question their judgment or imply that they aren't qualified for their jobs. Um, yeah, I've been there. Like the suggestion that I was promoted to district pro account manager because I was a good-looking female. Thank you? I had worked with contractors long enough by that time, I knew I was well-qualified, but it was still annoying. Or like my boss, telling me in an annual review that a district manager said that, compared to Christine, you don't really dress for your job. First of all, Christine and I had to call each other ahead of group meetings just to make sure we didn't wear the same blouse for Maurice's. Second, can you imagine a manager saying the same thing to a man? You know, Jack. Compared to George, you really don't dress for your job. Now, the truth is, I wasn't in the right job for me. But that had nothing to do with my gender, my looks, or my outfits. The same boss ripped me a new one for being a little drowsy in a very boring business meeting, among other things. I didn't care for his delivery, the obvious fact that he was very angry with me, but his feedback was warranted. That's how I learned I wasn't excited to be in outside sales, and that I shouldn't stay out late with the guy I met on Tinder the night before boring business meetings. My husband Adam experienced similar challenges as a police officer. No one commented on his outfits, but they definitely judged him for the way he looked. The guys who were on the favorites list in line for promotion usually looked or acted something like Rambo. Big, manly, and a little dumb. I am entirely biased, but quite certain that despite the fact that my husband is 5'8", he can handle himself in a fight. He knows how to clear a building and shoot a gun just as well or better than anyone. He also used good judgment, which sometimes meant he didn't go into dangerous situations with guns blazing, an unpopular tactic with Rambo. Adam had a particular skill set. He was trained in crisis intervention. Given the number of domestic violence and mental health calls, I don't understand why this isn't standard for every police officer. He was also a hostage negotiator. When someone locked themselves in the bathroom with a weapon and threatened to kill themselves, he was the one they called. In this role, he saved countless lives. Meanwhile, Rambo accidentally discharged his rifle while cleaning it at the police station. He also wrecked his car on a light pole in an empty parking lot. Rambo caught promoted, and Adam was passed over. What does a person do when they've been denied advancement opportunities time and time again? I can tell you what Adam did. He changed careers and started his own business. It certainly wasn't an easy process, but we worked together to make it happen. Now he makes more money, sets his own schedule, and wears much better clothes to work. I know many women who have become successful entrepreneurs. They got tired of bad bosses and decided to be their own boss. It takes a lot of courage and hard work, but the rewards can be life-changing. Most of us can only see ourselves in the same place we've always been. Sometimes, especially as women, we need a friend, a boss, or a coworker to tell us, hey, I think you'd be great at that. 
We get hung up on a lack of qualifications and fear of a whole list of things. We stay where we are, not because we love where we're at, but because we don't have the courage to imagine ourselves doing something more. The comfort of a familiar unhappiness feels safer than the risk that change might offer something better. The professional world has figured out that when men and women work together, good things happen. I can tell you from personal experience, this is true. I've worked with all women, and I've been the only woman on the team. By far the best and most productive working environments had a balance of both men and women. We've done well teaching this generation of young women that they are capable. I just hope that we are able to tell young men the same thing. Really, there's much to be celebrated in our partnership with each other. So what does this have to do with faith? For many of us, the church and even our culture at large has given us many ideas about men and women. Christianity is more diverse than we realize, certainly more diverse than the marketing teams at Mardell portray. While groups like the United Methodist and Episcopal churches have embraced women leaders, many of the largest and most influential, like the Southern Baptist Convention, still deny women's ability to have any leadership authority. If God has gifted both genders with the skills and gifts of leadership, why would this church discourage women from expressing these gifts? God certainly doesn't seem to be limited to only working with men. I continue to read through Kristen Cope DeMay's book, Jesus and John Wayne. I'm trying to understand why evangelicals had such a strong reaction to the feminist movement. I asked my dad. He said it was just because Baptists don't believe women should be allowed to be pastors. Surely there must be more to it. I'm tempted to think that it was motivated by men's desire to hold on to power and preserve the patriarchy. Except some of the most vocal opponents to feminism were women. Anyone who was alive in the 50s, 60s, or 70s would like to add their thoughts on this, please feel free to reach out. Nonetheless, this reaction by popular evangelical culture in the U.S. to the feminist movement has far-reaching consequences. To some, the impact is minimal. To others, it has destroyed relationships, contributed to sexual abuse, and left long-lasting damage. I'm sorry to say that the patriarchy is far from dead. Many congregations continue to hold tightly to these ideals, often unaware of the danger they pose to the women they intend to protect. More than anything, I want us to be able to come together. Contrary to pop culture, we aren't from different planets. We may dress boys in blue and girls in pink, but really, we aren't so very far apart. Both men and women tend to live into the expectations that are given to us, both high and low. I believe that God made us for much more than the one-size-fits-most boxes we have been given. We are human beings, made in the image of God and capable of great things. It's not just a message for women's empowerment. It's a message for all of us. I invite you to imagine something bigger for yourself and for the people in your life. Bigger takes courage. May you be brave enough to pursue it. Next week, I'll dive into some of the church's teaching on gender roles and talk about how they may impact our relationships. If you would like to receive email updates when I post a new article, you can visit my website, relevantfaithjourney.com, and click the subscribe link.